Hey, it's Jake. You're about to hear a free preview of something from Fogelness Plus, the podcast platform and online streaming service run entirely by me, Jake Fogelnest. To get instant access to hundreds of episodes, visit www.jake.army and sign up at the tier of your choice on Patreon. Enjoy the show. Hey, Deb. I'm going to start watching Xanadu now for the Patreon. Yeah, you're, so your plan is, hey, it's Jake Fogelness, everybody. This is your Xanadu audio commentary. Obviously, you haven't started watching the movie yet because I haven't given you the countdown. Uh, but you've been meaning to rewatch Xanadu, right, with My your mom? There's never seen Xanadu because she's not an uh, Olivia Newton-John fan. And so now we'll have Jake Fogelness commentary to expose my mother to Xanadu. Yeah, that's weird to me that your mom's never seen Xanadu. I get why she's not an Olivia Newton-John fan. My mother doesn't like hyped up things. I don't consider Xanadu a hyped up thing. I get at the time, upon its release, it was considered a giant bomb. Yeah, it was talked about. My mother waits. In fact, I think it might have been, you know that thing, the Razzies that they do? It's like two dork advertising yeah, executives. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first year that they gave out the Razzies, I think it was either, I think it was to Xanadu or Can't Stop the Music, one of the, yeah. And the fact that that's still going on in 2020 and anybody. I don't know if my mom will like Xanadu, but we'll watch it. Your mom's going to like Xanadu. It's fun. Xanadu's fun. That's the thing. It's fun. That's why we're here. What do you, you want less fun in 2020? Is that, is that what you're telling me? You want less fun? Xanadu is available everywhere. Um, I think it's on Hulu, HBO Max. I'm actually using HBO Max to watch it right now. Or I think if you just have HBO, you can uh, watch it. Uh, It's on every platform. I, of course, own a Blu-ray. But let's get into it. This is Xanadu, uh, released in 1980. Uh, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Press play. Now what you should be seeing is the old-timey Universal picture logo but with a it's in color it's a modern day airplane and then now it's a modern day airplane and I think what the message they're trying to tell you Lawrence Gordon big producer the message they're trying to tell you at the beginning of this movie is that now that's a super modern airplane at least in 1980. Olivia Newton-John. And that's a straight-up flying saucer. Straight-up flying saucer. Gene Kelly gets second billing. Michael Beck, who is the co-lead of this film. That's just a beam of light. Oh, my goodness. Michael Beck from The Warriors... Does not get name above the credits in Xanadu, the motion picture that we're going to watch together. 
Gene Kelly there. Doing what I find most old men in Los Angeles do. If they have the means, they sit on a rock in Malibu and play the clarinet. Here we meet a frustrated young artist. And you can see that he also starring Michael Beck. Really? Also starring? You'll see Kenny Ortega is one of the choreographers. Kenny Ortega is responsible for High School Musical. Big choreographer. Hairspray. This young artist is really, really frustrated with his own work. Songs uh, by Olivia Newton-John, uh, written by John Farrar. They are longtime collaborators. And then, of course, Jeff Lynn uh, of Electric Light Orchestra. Everybody knows the... Xanadu soundtrack album has the ONJ side and the ELO side. Interesting enough, same uh, uh, music. Uh, it said uh, Barry Devorzon. He also did the music for the Warriors. Hell of a soundtrack. Uh, the Warriors. That score is incredible. This is a first class big studio production. And then that's, yeah. Maybe the worst opening line to a movie ever. Ah, guys like me shouldn't dream anyway. He tears up his art. It floats in little pieces. Co-produced by Joel Silver. He's a giant producer now. Um, written by, okay, so there's two credited writers. And let me tell you something. That's just a lie. There are about 800 writers on the movie Xanadu, including... Bruce Valanche, who told me from his own mouth that he was around doing punch-up on Xanadu. So, you know, this frustrated artist, he he tears up his art and it lands in front of a mural of some women. And, oh my God, one of the women in the mural seems to come to life. with a futuristic purple glow. And we get into our first musical number, which is, of course, the uh, song I'm Alive by Electric Light Orchestra. I am uh, probably leaving a little bit of sound in the background, so I apologize if it's annoying if you haven't synced it up properly. Uh, but also, you should be able to listen to this commentary without watching the movie. And it should still work. So yeah, what this is, at least, I mean, and, and I've seen Xanadu. Ooh, I don't know how many times. I, I can't. I can't. I can't count the number of times I've seen Xanadu because it's a film that I saw on cable, and then eventually there was a guy in Philadelphia, and he put three. T you know, you know, how you could record on SLP speed and get six hours on one VHS tape. This gentleman, what he did was he made a, a, a special tape for me that had Xanadu, Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band, and I think the Blues Brothers. There was also another tape 
And I don't remember, I can't remember what, it might have been on this tape, but like, he also gave me the video album for Blondie's Eat to the Beat. All on one tape. And the reason why they did it is because I kept renting Xanadu from the video store. There's Olivia. Now to the audience, like I know because I've seen Xanadu and you've probably seen Xanadu. Uh, I know that this is a, a, a group of um, artistic muses dancing around. But as far as the audience knows right now, they don't know what the fuck they're looking at. They're just looking at Olivia Newton-John uh, dancing with some purple vector effects, doing a dance routine with a, a, a... It's just... it's They're looking at Hollywood magic. Okay? I read that Steven Soderbergh is going to be producing the Oscars this year. This should be the template, because when I think Hollywood magic... This is what I think of. I don't think there was anybody in 1980 that said, hey, you know, it's a good idea. Let's drop acid and go see Xanadu. I don't think anybody had that kind of level of irony going on because just either you were for Xanadu or you were viciously against it and just, you know, this was supposed to be a big family-friendly film. Look at this. Oh, my God, they're lighting up the Hollywood sign. Beams of light. These women are turning into beams of light. And, oh, no, that one is, oh, that one's being sent straight to New York City to the office of a young Harvey Weinstein. It's terrible, but that's not the movie we're watching. We're watching Xanadu. Uh, this beam of light, this woman, this she has been sent to Venice Beach on roller blades, roller skates. Excuse me. I will never make that mistake while we watch this. And she gives this young artist, this young frustrated artist, a kiss out of nowhere. And then she's gone. And he says appropriately, what the? Because... What just happened to him was insane. Imagine if that happened to you in real life. If a lady with a beam of light emitting from her all of a sudden roller skated up to you and gave you a kiss, you'd be freaked out, especially right now during the pandemic. As far as I know, beams of light are not a symptom of COVID-19, but there's just still so much of it, the virus that we don't know. So now we're in um, a very interesting office. This is an office of people who paint album covers. Sonny Malone has gone back to his day job. Hold on, I'm getting a phone call, but I think it's spam. Let's see. Hello? Thank you for choosing Marriott Hotels. I never chose Marriott Hotels in my life. How dare you? How dare you interrupt me while I'm watching Xanadu and giving important exposition? I am so sorry about that. 
So we got a blocked artist here. And as many times as I've seen Xanadu, I can't remember if their job is to paint album covers or just paint the album covers large that go in front of Tower Records. He gets his job back because he's good and he's the fastest painter. Yeah, that's what he's supposed to do. That's the job. Sonny, I, I can't believe I thought it was anything more than that. That is how specific this is. So this is an office where a group of artists, they take the album covers, the big giant album covers, right, that uh, are going to be displayed at Tower Records on, on, uh, on Sunset here in Los Angeles. And um, they... Uh, repaint them for to display at Tower Records. Now, the album cover Sonny has just been given, this is particularly mysterious because it is the woman who was glowing that just roller skating down Venice Beach planted a smooch on him. And she happens to be standing in front of the Pan Pacific Auditorium which is, uh, and, and he's trying to track her down. He's like, hey, who is this girl? I met this girl. She gave me a kiss because naturally, I, I imagine Sonny wants to follow up. But he has no idea who she is. This, this, this woman is a complete mystery. Now, I don't know how Sonny, on his first day back at work, and he's already on thin ice with his boss, how he has made his way out of the office to go to the photographer's studio. And this is a pretty heavy photographer. How does he, how does, how does this guy get access to, I don't know, the Bob Gruen of the day? He's got the album. He's he's friends with everybody. Buy some peanuts. Now, I believe that the single goofiest, clumsiest First line exposition, the way two characters meet is about to happen. Yeah, he says, hey, old man, what you doing up there? In my mind, and he might have said it, and I might have missed it, but it's just like, hey, old man, what you doing up there on that rock? But Sonny's an artist. He's, he's, on, a, he's on the artist journey. And he comes across Gene Kelly playing clarinet on the on a rock, and it's L.A., it's 1980s, and, you know, people share popcorn with each other. He offers them some popcorn, and now these two are, are pals.
They really lay it out here. He duplicates record covers. I don't think there's anybody listening to this commentary that know uh, that needs it explained that in uh, in the seventies up until Tower Records closed, they would enlarge record covers um, and like you know try to you know lure you into the store by saying, "Hey, we've got Super Tramp Breakfast in America." Somebody had to like paint that, I guess, back in the day before photo reproduction. Now we meet the two most trusting extras, and God knows what they had to do to get in this movie. I don't even want to think about it. The two most trusting extras ever who are like, hey, can I borrow your bike? I'll bring it back, because he wants to chase down. This lady, who's no longer glowing, but is still roller skating, because, hey, you gave me a smooch earlier. And a little bit of slapstick fun. A little bit of slapstick fun. Olivia Newton-John makes him crash into the water, then disappears into a beam of light. Because you know what, fellas? It's about the chase. And then all of a sudden, you know, Sonny's very trusting. You don't, you know... This old man, Gene Kelly, he's buying him a cup of coffee. He's, I know he's going to get him to his apartment later. You don't know, like, I don't know. Sonny to me reads as straight. And it might be me carrying over Michael Beck's character from the Warriors. All right. But this guy might be looking for, uh, you know, an arrangement with this young man. And that is a payphone on the screen. We don't really have payphones anymore. But if you do see a payphone in your town right now, I would definitely not touch it. Anybody using a payphone during a pandemic? Definitely... I don't want to say they have COVID, but they definitely have germs. I'm not making this Xanadu commentary timeless. I'll be clear. I am recording this on Thursday, December 10th, 2020. Now, that is the old Pan Pacific Auditorium, which was a uh, a concert venue. Uh sort of near where uh, the Grove is in Los Angeles. And sadly, it burned down in the 90s. But if you want to feel the vibe of the Pan Pacific Auditorium, you can go to, uh, not Disneyland, but Disney's... uh, Magic Fun Zone, whatever that, whatever the other one's called, because uh, 
they've designed the entrance to that to look like the old Pan Pacific Auditorium. It's incredible old Art Deco. And uh, beautiful. So Sonny has found his way into this uh, abandoned... Uh, Abandoned venue. Now, I don't want to spoil anything, but I they're going to turn this place into the ultimate roller disco, but they're not there yet. And we are hearing magic, which is a big hit song from this soundtrack. Olivia Newton-John had a big hit with magic. Not just with Xanadu. So, you know, just imagine being a, I don't know, like a fan of Talking Heads in 1980 and turning on the radio and being like, Jesus Christ. Here's the thing about me. I appreciate both. Or, Imagine being a fan of Judas Priest. It is a little too coincidental. He has seen this woman three times in one day. He, he knows the ins and outs of... Uh, of who would be a model on a record cover. And uh, this woman has appeared out of thin air, planted a smooch on him, and sometimes she glows. I think he asks appropriately, you know, for a date there. But Olivia Newton-John is not going to make it so easy for him. How'd you know my name? And there's a song called Magic playing. We're we're 20 minutes in. If you're not on board with this mystical story, I don't know what to tell you. If I were you, I'd be sucked in. Now keep in mind, Sonny did not want to come back to this job. He quit and he came back. He wanted to do freelance. He came back with his tail between his legs and the boss hired him back because he was good, but also because he was fast. And now he's getting a hard time put on him because this album cover 
that uh, Olivia Newton-John has mysteriously appeared on, he spent a little bit too much time on it. He's spending too much time on it. And you know why? He wants to make it perfect. He's a perfectionist. It's, he's, he's trying to be a good artist. But I think, I think that there is a little bit of, uh, there's a little bit of love in his heart. I think he's got a crush. I would say it's, it's fair to, I would, I would say this guy is smitten. It's interesting there's a no smoking sign up in the uh, office. Not that there's any cigarette smoking in this movie. Maybe when we get to the uh, to the 40s dance numbers, but I suppose that's no smoking because um, maybe the paint's flammable. Now this is this okay because I was like, what's this scene? Is this scene moving the story along? And this guy is basically telling him, "Hey, smarten up, give up art, give up on your dreams." That's that's why I'm so successful, and I've got all these gold records and a, uh, a perfectly adequate uh, turntable for 1980 that doesn't seem like a piece of audiophile equipment that that is uh, just a standard uh, turntable now in uh, good condition somebody refurbished that uh, they'll try to sell that to you for you know like $300 in uh, fucking eagle rock or something platinum palace is a Staples now on Wilshire. I recognize it. I full on recognize it because I remember the first time I drove past it in Los Angeles. I rec- I said, that's from fucking Xanadu. That's a location from Xanadu. So that's now a Staples on Wilshire. If you're in Los Angeles and you want to see a Xanadu shooting location... That doesn't take you all the way to Venice Beach. This Platinum Palace, where he happens to run into uh, uh, Gene Kelly again, who lives in um, a huge, huge. He, I don't even think they're trying to fool us. I think they're they're trying to indicate that Gene Kelly lives on stage thirteen of the Universal uh, Pictures uh, uh, lot. Um, now, Gene, I'd be very curious. Any uh, any equipment heads out there, if they could tell me what kind of stereo Gene's got, he's got himself a good system. Now, here's where things get weird. He buys a... 
uh, old record that he used to that he played on, and and Sonny looks in the book and uh, sees a a woman that's very very suspiciously close in appearance to Olivia Newton-John. So Gene Kelly is, you know, he's got a nice house which is located on uh, entrance uh, number two of the Universal uh, Studios lot. I think you, you you drive. It's it would be I would say I think it's the entrance on Lancashire, uh, and then you just drive up the lot and make uh, past the executive offices and make a right, and that's where Gene Kelly lives. Um, beautiful sets, actually, huge beautiful sets. They never show an exterior though. It just, uh, yeah, I guess we're just supposed to feel like this is like a big mansion somewhere in Beverly Hills. So Gene Kelly is looking to open up a venue. But it needs to have a special vibe to it. He's had real estates, real estate people looking for like a venue, you know, for like a cool club. And look, it looks like he's got the uh, the money to uh, waste uh, in uh, a business that could very well fail. And not to get ahead of ourselves, but the he's going to put money into opening up Xanadu, the roller disco, which is is going to be. Um, out of business by at least 1984. There's no way Xanadu, uh, the nightclub, stayed in business. We it just it it it, just, it became a look. That record store, the uh, Platinum Palace, that's a fucking Staples now for real. The fake the fake record store, Platinum Palace, because clearly they had an exclusive with Tower Records. Now, Gene is listening to an old recording of Whenever I'm Away From You. Which I believe is gonna... Yep, turn into a fantasy sequence. Now, even for 1980, this is not that technically impressive. It's just a, uh, <laughs> they locked down the camera, <laughs> moved in all the other stuff and have like a little cross dissolve going. <laughs> to, 
with the big band stuff in the background. That's not that impressive, even for 1980. It will get more impressive. There we go. That's impressive. Not really, though. Here's what they did. They shot this first. Then they moved in all the stuff. Then they shot the other stuff. That's how you do it. And that's the benefit of living on the Universal Studio lot is you have all of those grips, key, best boy. You have all those people. Now, hold on a second. If Xanadu has taught me anything, it's that if you kiss a girl who's in a half dissolve, if you give her a kiss, she will come to life in full color, dressed like one of the Andrew sisters. Interesting uh, 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 trivia fact about the uh, Andrew sisters is sometimes they would make out with each other. That's not true. That's disgusting. I apologize to the estate of the Andrew sisters and uh, strike that from the record. No, it's true. I read it. It's in Kenneth Anger's Hollywood Babylon. It was worse than that. They would... They would finger each other. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You're just trying to watch Xanadu. Maybe you're 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 not listening to this with your kids, are you? Now we got Gene Kelly here, and if you got Gene Kelly, you want a dance number. And kudos for the way they're shooting it, which is how dance numbers are supposed to be shot particularly of this genre and really any dance number. You want to see them dance. That's why this film is in CinemaScope. That's why if you're watching it uh, on a streaming service and there are not uh, some black bars on the top and the bottom of your screen... Your streaming service is fucking you. This movie was shot 235. You know, all these years we've lived in we were, we we had televisions, they were square. And we would get laser discs because, oh my goodness, we found we could see proper aspect ratio. Now we have the reverse problem. They're taking old TV shows, they're filling them up for the TV screen that's now 16 by 9. And they're chopping off the left and right. And now we got people, it's a trend, people shooting in 4-3 for stylistic purposes. And you know what? Sometimes it works, I understand it. And sometimes I'm like, what are you doing? Shoot a movie like a movie. If it calls for CinemaScope, use it. It's not technically CinemaScope. It's just 235 aspect ratio. Which Xanadu... What are you going to do? What are you going to shoot this in the 
185? No, you'd be an asshole. You want the widest screen possible. If they could afford it, they would have shot it in 70 millimeter. Now, when they showed it in movie theaters, they took 35 millimeter prints and they did 70 millimeter, 70 uh, millimeter blowups because those were great. If you could see a 70 millimeter six track mag print of Xanadu, it doesn't would not exist today because it'd be red, but. Uh, I actually own a 35 millimeter print of Xanadu in Dolby Stereo. It uh, has some color left in it. Um, and man, I hope I get the chance to screen it somewhere before it loses all of its color. It must be frustrating to waste your time, your talents on things, waste your time. It must be frustrating to waste your time on things that don't really matter, matter to you. You fucking said it, Olivia Newton-John. I'm sorry, Kira. Hold on a second. Is this guy still really fucking working on the uh, album cover? He's still working on the fucking album cover. This record has a fucking release date, man. There's a whole promo plan. Casablanca Records has a whole promotional fucking plan, and you're fucking it up. This is supposed to. This is going to be in the stores. We need this. We need this blow up this replica of the album cover up hanging in front of Tower Records. You're fucking up uh, the promo guy's plan. So here he is. He breaks into this abandoned venue hits a bunch of buttons and I guess this is supposed to be like an old theater or something Whatever it is, however we get there, we get this wonderful musical number called Suddenly. Which does move the story uh, forward a little bit. Suddenly, the wheels are in motion. They're falling in love. He's starting to think about you know, gaining more confidence as an artist. And, hey, 
hey, maybe this venue might be exactly the place that his new free his new friend Gene Kelly, an old guy with a clarinet that he just you know befriended on a rock, uh, might be the place he's looking for. Time will tell. We got an hour left. It's a little light on story. It's a little light on story. I got to admit, rewatching it, it's light on story. But it makes up for it with magic. Now they're in the rain. You know what's interesting is that I know Gene Kelly is looking for this music venue. But I'm pretty sure it's right next to his house on the Universal lot. Like, just like, hey, like, get a golf cart or get on the Universal tram and just like take a ride like for a minute. And I think you're going to find the perfect uh, venue. And, and I must say, when in Hollywood, visit Universal Studios. And ask for Babs. There was a period of time, I heard, that if you did ask for Babs, I think they'd give you a discount or something. Because uh, that's what it says at the end of uh, National Lampoon's Animal House. Because at the end of every Universal movie, they would plug their theme park. If you stayed through the credits, a thing would come up. Win in Hollywood, visit Universal Studios. You'll, you'll see it at the end of this movie. Unless HBO or Animals and decided to cut it. But I wonder if the ask for Babs thing is still in effect. Hold on a second. I'm confused. Does the guy... Does his boss own the property? I'm realizing as I'm watching this how little I paid attention to the actual plot of Xanadu and how it's really just a series of moments that I remember. And that are important. This is the Pan Pacific Auditorium. Right now it's the UDOium. But that's a real location. That exterior was real. And, um, hey, I have Google. I'll give you the history the Pan Pacific Auditorium. It's, it was, uh, it's part of Pan Pacific Park. Here in uh, California. But the Pan Pacific Auditorium 
Yeah, it's in the Fairfax districts of Los Angeles, and they actually used to hold uh, early Dodgers games there. Um, and it is very close to CBS Television City and uh, the Farmer's Market. It's like right near the Grove. It's like 3rd and Fairfax, okay, here in Los Angeles. Um, and it was closed in 1972 uh, for 17 years, and then it went into neglect and decay. And then uh, they put it, they made it a historic place in 1978 because, you know, even though nobody was doing anything with this piece of property, you know, it's an Art Deco masterpiece. Mas- masterpiece? That's not a fucking word. Masterpiece. Um, but it, yeah, it went into decay. Yeah, a fire hit it in May 1983, and then May 24th, 1989, six days after the 54th anniversary of its opening, a fire destroyed it, uh, which uh, would have been uh, visible everywhere. Today it's a park, Pan Pacific Park, with a scaled-down replica of one of the famous towers, but... If you really, if you really want to feel it, you, you go to you go to Disney's California Fun Time. Go to Donald Duck's Happy Zone. Pay three thousand dollars, and you should go now. I'm talking today, December twelfth, twenty twenty. All right, now so this, I don't know how to explain what you're about to see. What this is? This is the. It's a thing that absolutely nobody asked for. It's a great contrast of Gene Kelly's memories of the '40s and Sonny saying, "Hey, you got to get with the '80s." So it's a, you know, again, all happening right next door to Gene Kelly's house, which is on the Universal Studios lot. For some reason. We've got big band music and then the fucking tubes. You got what's supposed to be like, you know, some Benny Goodman stuff going on and then Fee Weibull and the tubes. You know, these are the guys that say, we're white punks on dope. And Fee Weibull is in, of course, ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous stains. No, I haven't done an audio commentary for that yet. Say, stay subscribed. You stay subscribed for that one. But what is this? I don't know how to explain this. It's, it's just a. I mean, look, I'm not saying it's not a hell of a musical number. I'm just saying. Who said we needed it? Who asked for it? Who wrote it down and said, we need this? We need something to show the 40s contrasted with the 1980s. I guess that's supposed to, what are these guys supposed to be like Devo in the yellow jumpsuits? This film was really, you know, 
to enter in a new decade. That was, I think, the the spirit of this film was Xanadu was going to be a, a musical fantasy for 1980 for a brand new decade. And boy, did it set the tone. Because again, as I'm watching this, thin on story, but this is a lot of fun. The question is, a lot of fun for who? Who was like, I know what we should do. Gene Kelly, he's famous from the singing of the raid in the 40s and stuff. But we're in the 80s, so why not contrast the music from the 40s with the music from the 80s? And it'll be like a, a dance-off. Uh, until finally they come together as one great thing. And then that'll be the story engine that gets them to agree to, yeah, we're going to open up a nightclub together. Oh, and also the lady came out of a painting. Do you know how hard writers have to work these days to to on their on their scripts so they make sense because the fucking Sopranos came on HBO and and like changed the game and then I was like, "Oh no. Now we have to try." Back then, you would just be like, yeah, no, it's the 40s and the 80s, and then she comes out of a painting, and Gene Kelly meets a guy on a rock because he's playing clarinet, and they share some popcorn, and there's no AIDS, so everything's fine. Just do it. <laughs> and then that was, that was the sound effect there was somebody sniffing cocaine. Oh, and we should get the tubes. We can't do this without the tubes. No, no, no. Fee Wable's a friend. I can call him. I'm listening to the track and I can tell you straight up some of those synthesizers are props. And you recognize if you're if you're a Fabulous Teens fan. You saw that guy with the curly hair and the sunglasses? That's Jerry Jervy. He's the guy who overdoses. But this is the tubes, man. People forget that the tubes show up in Xanadu. People think of Xanadu, they think, oh yeah, Olivia Newton-John. They think uh, Electric Light Orchestra. They might even think Gene Kelly. It doesn't immediately jump out. Oh, the tubes are in it. Well, here they are. Massively. It's on the soundtrack. I, I, were the tubes signed to MCA at this time? Let me find out. I just, there has to be an explanation for why, you know, the tubes get called in. So we go, I'm go to their discography. No, their fucking last album, Remote Control, 
which came out before this was on A&M. Then Capital puts out a best of, and then they're on Capital. So it's not even a like, well, let's get MCA recording artists, the tubes in here. It's just like, no, 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 we're going to, we're going to spend the extra bucks here because we need the tubes. We can't pull off this 40s versus the 80s number without the tubes. These were serious discussions. Maybe you're crazy, Gene? Maybe you're, he says, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm crazy, he says. Really? You're crazy? Yeah, you're crazy. You're letting this guy into your house, your mansion, which is in an unspecified area, at least to me, but looks like it could only be on the Universal Studios lot. And you don't know if this guy's a fucking serial killer. The Hillside Strangler, at the time they were making this film, they caught the Hillside Strangler? What if Michael Beck, what if Sonny was the Hillside Strangler? Gene Kelly would be dead. So they partner up to open up a, a undetermined as of yet, but again, it's a roller disco. Oh, look who just dissolved in. Olivia Newton-John to read some old poetry with Gene Kelly. This is a fucking metaphysical love triangle. And I don't even know I don't even know how to deal with it, man. Yes, Kira, we're going to do it. Me and the gentleman I met randomly as I was playing clarinet up on my rock. The artist who enlarges album covers for Tower Records um, and uh, has absolutely no business experience whatsoever. We're going to open up a nightclub together. Because fuck it, it's Xanadu, the motion picture. Soon to become a campy Broadway musical. Let's see here. Oh, is this the big I quit scene? Here's what's going on. I've found a rich old man who believes in me and there's nothing sexual about it.
See, this is smart. This is this is he's firing himself. This way, he can collect unemployment. Opening night, whatever you want, it's on the house. You know, I've always wanted to say that line. I believe that Bruce Valanche wrote that piece of dialogue. Feels Valanche to me. To Xanadu. A toast to Xanadu. Now, I do want to warn you, and I might be getting ahead of myself, but I believe they're going to turn into cartoons at any moment. Is that the fucking Hollywood Bowl? They're just chilling at the abandoned Hollywood Bowl? So this movie just cost a fortune. Yeah, that's the fucking Hollywood Bowl, isn't it? When was this filmed? It was released in August of 1980, so that means they they were shooting in uh, in, in 79. I'm going to read you a little bit of the Wikipedia because I think it's important. The film was originally conceived as a relatively low-budget roller disco picture, as roller disco pictures are usually uh, budgeted. As a number of prominent performers joined the production, it evolved into a much larger project while retaining roller skating as a reoccurring theme, especially in the final... Here, I told you they were going to turn into cartoons. What I didn't tell you is they were going to be Don Bluth cartoons. This is interesting. The interior for the nightclub is actually stage four of the Hollywood Center Studios, 1040 North Los Palmas Avenue in Hollywood. Um, And Hollywood Center Studios is where they shoot shitty... Things like um, At Midnight. That's where they used to, you know. It's kind of a dump of a studio. I used to live right near there. I'm sure Netflix has bought it by now. And, and spruced it up. But So yeah, they turn into animated fish. Because why the fuck not? And then they're birds. And really what I think is they just have this very good electric light orchestra song and, you know, they wanted to show sort of the love story blossoming between Kira and Sonny, Olivia Newton-John and Michael Beck. And uh, they said, yeah, let's kick it to Don Bluth. He'll animate something nice. Hey, Deb? 
Deb's in the other room. I'm just wondering, like, what you're... Like, when the movie turns into a fucking cartoon, what's your... You, how's that going to go over to your mother? Why? I just... It just caught... I just, like, at one point, the movie turns into a fucking cartoon. Is your mom going to be like, what the hell? I don't know. I think either my mom will like Xanadu or she won't like Xanadu. I think that's how everybody is about Xanadu. I'm watching it again. The story is paper thin. Yeah, it's about early skating. Not really. It's about... Here's the deal. That was my only takeaway. I was like, ooh, fun, roller skating. That's, that girl. should be... Yeah, that's what I took away from it. But rewatching it again, it's about this guy, Sonny, right? Sonny, he, he, he paints... His job is to enlarge the album covers that are hung at Tower Records. That's not the most artistically fulfilling thing. He's very frustrated. So he's walking down Venice Beach one day, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a glowing Olivia Newton-John gives him a kiss. That's weird, right? That's how we met. Then, yeah, exactly how we met. Then he meets Gene Kelly, who's playing clarinet up on a rock, and he's like, hey, what are you doing up on that rock? Old man playing the clarinet. And he's like, hey, have some popcorn. And then uh, th- then all of a sudden they're friends, and there's nothing sexual about it. Nothing sexual. Are you sure? No, no, because weirdly enough, Kira, right, Olivia Newton-John, she, here's the thing, it's a metaphysical fucking love triangle. He remembers her as a girl from the 40s. And, and but she's in the eighties, and she also roller skated out of a painting. And now this shit. Then the, the the tubes show up. There's a lot going on, and yes, there is roller skating. But I had Barbie roller skates when I was little. That's cute. And the waitress at Cantor's gave them to me. You live. See, you grew up right near where the actual Xanadu exterior was pan pacific park but it had burned down now this is just okay okay we're opening up a nightclub i guess we got to get snazzy clothes we should do that for a tiktok yeah deb has figured out the tiktok algorithm we'll talk about it in another time uh, but yeah, no, this makes sense. This is your classic, hey, what do you think of this outfit sequence? And then they, somebody shakes their head, no. And then you try in another one. And then they go, yeah, and they give a thumbs up. To another good electric light orchestra song all around the world. Which, when I went to see Electric Light Orchestra at the Hollywood Bowl, they played this, and it was fucking awesome. Because Electric Light Orchestra are fucking awesome. Holy shit. Now some magical shit is happening. There's roller skating. See, nobody's commenting. That's the thing. Nobody's sort of commenting on the fact that, like... You know... They're sprucing up the nightclub, and I don't see anybody putting any, like, elbow grease in. I don't see any contractors. I see this spider dancer and these 
I don't mean to be morbid, but, but when I look at something like this, I just go, how many of these people are dead? How many of these male dancers are dead? If you subscribe to the Patreon or are listening to this audio commentary uh, uh, another way um, and you were a dancer in Xanadu, please get in touch. Deb is actually dancing right now in what she uh, believes is a Xanadu-type fashion, but is really... I would just... I would call it a style of her own. Now they're now they're in a giant pinball machine. I don't know how to explain this. They're now in a giant pinball machine. What a kid what what's popular right now? Pinball, right? So they should be in a giant pinball machine. Fuck it. Fuck it. We can afford it. They're really falling in love. And Gene Kelly's happy about it. I love how shitty this optical shot is. It's great. And there we go. Xanadu. Xanadu, the Pan Pacific Auditorium, has now become Xanadu. They're going to open tomorrow night. Anybody who shows up is invited. They're opening. No celebrity stuff. Gene Kelly should hire a publicist, I think, but I don't know. They're really going out on a limb. I mean, obviously this this has a happy ending. We all know that, but there's another version of this movie where in the last, like, 15 minutes, Gene Kelly loses his shirt on this. He loses his entire fortune. And um, he kills Olivia Newton-John and kills himself. And um, Michael Beck is left with the feelings of it. That's the version they would have made in the early 70s. That's the Paul, Sch- that's Paul Schrader's Xanadu. I guess, see, I guess the working theory was like, okay, so Greece was sort of a tribute to the 50s and about 50s nostalgia. Xanadu will be an 80s movie, but it'll be about nostalgia for the 1940s. I guess that made sense on paper at the time. There's a full half hour left of this movie. All right, which I, which I can break down. I can break it down because I, I see the, the complication here is going to be we can't be together because I'm a fucking muse. I can't be in love with you. I am 
part of a mural. And I have to go back and be part of the mural and help other struggling artists. I got a guy in, in, in New York. He's homeless, and I got to tell him to start writing Samo as graffiti. And his name's Jean-Michel. I don't know. that, But this is the complication. I'm realizing there's 30 minutes left in the movie, but I'm not taking into account the fact that there's obviously going to be like a 10-minute dance number um, and uh, credits. But this is, this is the moment where it's just like, well, we can't be together because I am a muse from a I am an oil painting and also a beam of light simultaneously it's very confusing Sonny I don't know how to explain it holy fuck I got it I got it I, got it. I just I'm sorry I looked down at my email and um you know, there's some people like you, you, you give you their uh, email and, 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 and you, you, you give a shot. You, you, you hope they're going to be appropriate with it because um, you want to be helpful. You want to be helpful. This is years now and it's just like, buddy, I cannot help you. And now I don't want to help you because you fucking... Abuse the email thing. There's no fucking magic formula. I'm sitting here doing a fucking audio commentary for fucking Xanadu for Patreon. Alright? I got my own fucking problems. Might be the most fucking talented guy in the world, but I cannot help you. I apologize for the distraction. This is, I, I guess, some sort of weird conflict that they're having because they've turned on the television and then they're seeing their lives play out in the old movie. Got it. This is, this is the proof that Sonny needs of why... He cannot be in a long-term romantic relationship with Olivia Newton-John. She's a muse. She has other things to do. She has done her job. It's not. It's not him. It's her. The relationship has run its course. Let me tell you something. I I I love my wife more than anything in the world. But there's a couple of uh, of people out there. They 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 run around. They think they're muses. And uh, some guys will get tricked. Right? They'll be like, "Oh, this is my she's my muse." Uh, no, she's a future problem. She's a future problem that is going to 
fucking light your carpet on fire. I, I am actually saying that you are beyond a muse. What's beyond a muse? A siren? Yes, you're a siren. Will you? Can you do your impression of a siren? This is what this is. This is what Deb. This Deb does a couple of impressions. This is what I sound like during sex. That's sometimes when we are we're man and wife. We can say this. We're being intimate. She will make this noise. I just, do I, I do it again? Yeah, okay. do it again. That's the noise she makes when she's having sex. So, she's, so, so, no, you're not a muse. What I was saying is there's some fellas out there who think they've met a muse, right? They think they've met a muse, and actually they've met a problem. Am I a problem? No, you're not a problem. I married you. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. You know that girl. You sound like a misogynist right now, babe. Do I? Yeah. All why aren't are you clean? Why aren't you cleaning? All women are perfect. Don't try to be fake woke on this audio commentary. You that is not true, and you know it. And you've said it to my face. I've heard you say some terrible things like what? about other females. Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I love you. They can't be together because she's a muse. And now he's left alone. His heart's broken. His heart's so broken he's wearing short shorts and roller skating down Venice Beach alone. He is not cruising either. This guy's not cruising. He is... Do not let the outfit fool you. It's just hot this day. Okay, so I it's coming back to me. So what's going to happen right now is Sunny is going to he's found the the mural where Kira is trapped the ELO song The Fall is playing and what this lunatic is going to do is he's going to attempt to roller skate into the wall and it's terrible what happens if you've never seen the film uh, I want to warn you this is incredibly graphic he roller skates into the wall. He breaks his neck and dies. It's awful. It's terrible. Of course, that's not what happens. He goes for her. He goes for the girl. What do you mean we can't be together? You're mine, toots. By the way, Deb said I sounded misogynistic. I have absolutely no fear that I sounded misogynistic. I think both men and women know what I'm talking about. A fake muse. A real muse. You can roller skate into a wall and boom! 
You step into her world. And her world consists of, you know, some red and purple lights and a wind machine. And throw some optical effects on it. Why not? Love this. I feel like this aesthetic is uh, tried to be recreated digitally so much and it just never looks right. He's going to have a showdown with Zeus. Boy, this sensitive artist is showing a lot of balls in the third act. Is he talking to God? That's a good point. One dream, one muse. Okay, he's got muses running all over the place. What's his, what's his argument here? We've been watching a lot of Law and Order. And this feels like... He's making a deal with a like a pimp. What's his offer here? Love. Let's see. Oh, that. That's Deb. That's my wife. <laughs> That's actually quite clever. That's actually quite clever, and dare I say, quite feminist for 1980. He has, yeah, Olivia Newton-John makes a good one. Yeah, hey, what if I don't want to? What? What if I want to quit? I want to quit my job being a muse. And, and and where I live in a beam of magical light and I travel through time and space helping different people with their uh, art and uh, I'm going to leave all that for the guy from the Warriors and Gene Kelly in their sure-to-be-open five years from now roller disco. So they make Michael Beck disappear 
so Olivia Newton-John can get another solo number in. I'll tell you this, the music, the songwriting collaboration between John Farrar and Olivia Newton-John turned out a lot of hits. And even like the ones that aren't hits, this is a damn good pop song. This is suspended in time. If someone could get me every draft of Xanadu, I would love to read them. Just to see how it changed. This definitely feels like a movie that they were rewriting while they were shooting. And just, just the, the they put money into it. This like Universal was just like, how can we lose? It's Olivia Newton-John. How can we lose? From the Wikipedia, Universal canceled press screenings of Xanadu, suggesting that they were not confident in the film, and it went on to receive negative reviews. Variety called it a stupendously bad film whose only salvage is the music. Roger Ebert gave the film two stars, describing the film as a mushy and limp musical fantasy with a confused story, redeemed only by Olivia Newton-John's high spirits and several strong scenes from Kelly. Moreover, Ebert criticized the choreography, saying the dance numbers in this movie do not seem to have been conceived for film. I wonder if Kenny Ortega sent Roger Ebert a nasty letter. He noted that mass dance scenes were not photographed well by cinematographer Victor J. Kemper, who shot at eye level and failed to pick up the larger patterns of dancers. Well, that's not true. First of all, they shot the traditional 1940s thing. I pointed it out earlier in the commentary. And then as they were doing the sort of the later dance sequences, and then I think the big finale, we'll see. With a combination of contemporaneous and modern reviews, Xanadu today holds a rotten rating of 27% from Rotten Tomatoes based on 41 reviews. And the consensus states, not even spandex and over-the-top musical numbers can save Xanadu from questionable acting, unimpressive effects, and a story unencumbered by logic. Yeah, but fuck you, it's fun. How about that? How about that? As a response. Is it not fun? And I was right. This was. The film that gave us the Golden Raspberry Awards. The Razzies. Robert Greenwald won the first Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Director. And the film was nominated for six other awards. Now, as I said, um, we're, we we got about less than 15 minutes left to go in this film. And that's because the end is just this uh, 
fucking 10 minute musical dance number. Now what you're listening to is Drum Dreams by Electric Light Orchestra, which is not on the Xanadu soundtrack, but does appear as a B-side, I believe, on... Hold on. I don't want to get this wrong because it's important. I know I have a copy of it. I just got to go to my Discogs. I'm going to go to my collection. I mean, you can listen to it like on... um, on Spotify and stuff, but it's it's the B-side to the I'm Alive single. Just this drum thing. What is Roger Ebert fucking talking about? I can point out some musicals that are shot fucking wrong. Xanadu is not one of them. These shots are wide as fuck. Also, how about the fact that everyone's on fucking roller skates? All those times I've been to Hollywood Center Studio, I was like, oh, what a dump. I'm here for some lousy meeting. I never realized I was on the sacred ground where Xanadu was filmed. I have a new appreciation for it. I guess because so much of this film does take place at this location, like for them to take up a a stage at Universal would be insane. Because those stages are expensive. That comes out of your budget. Here we go. Big finale. It really is. You got to get to. You got to get through an hour and 25 minutes to get to. To this, but. I don't know, man. I still fucking love it. You know. I'm watching it with a critical eye. I'm looking at it uh, and seeing the the flaws. Why why people perhaps were like not impressed, but like at the same time, like what the fuck did you want? You went to see Xanadu, dude. It was fucking August eighth, nineteen eighty. It was the summer of nineteen eighty. 
It's like fucking, you know, pop a Quaalude, watch Xanadu. Smoke a joint, watch Xanadu. Like, if you saw the trailer, right? Like, you had to, like, you know, what'd you think you were going to get? It's the same fuckers that didn't like Grease too. That's what we're dealing with. People who ate joy. You either get it or you don't. And if you don't get it, you'll never get it. It's not for you. And if it's not for you, yeah, maybe your heart's a little darker than somebody else's. And that's coming from me. If you don't like Xanadu, I think you're a dark-hearted person. I'm proud to own a 35mm print of this film. Which was not expensive, because, as you know, film pre-1982 it has a shelf life. It will fade. And also, where the fuck am I? I got a 35 millimeter projector in my house? No. No. I gotta wait for the fucking movie theaters to reopen. Fucking, you know, a few of them in Los Angeles that are still equipped to run 35 and be like, hey, can we show Xanadu? And then they have to be like, yeah. Because if you go to see Xanadu on the big screen now, you're not seeing him on 35mm film, and you're, you're seeing it um, basically on like a glorified Blu-ray. So, I'm talking about for after the pandemic, when, you know, we're allowed to go to the movies again. Maybe they'll, they'll do, because they'll do a midnight screening of Xanadu, because... I insist upon it, and it'll be a lot of fun, and it'll be packed, and I hope it's not a DCP. Now, what would be incredible, an incredible experience, and I don't know if this exists, but if there's a low-fade print, 70-millimeter blow-up of Xanadu, Actually, I don't think there's... I don't, I don't know if anywhere that would be equipped to show that, but I think maybe the Egyptian? This, this is a rockin' song. I forgot about this sort of like sub-number within the Xanadu... you know, like, uh, ending. This is definitely not on the soundtrack.
Yeah, this is full country. No, which is, uh, that's on the B side of magic. Drum Dreams is on the B side of I'm Alive. I'm sorry if I uh, misspoke that. And the B side of All Over the World. Forgot about Fool Country. Which I guess is a precursor to Urban Cowboy. Urban Cowboy is a movie that like I haven't seen since like I watched it on cable when I was a kid. I don't know if it's any good, if it's bad or what, but I have not. Uh, that's John Travolta as a cowboy. All I remember is that he's a cowboy, Deborah Winger, and the Charlie Daniels band Devil Went Down to Georgia is in it. And now we're back to... the big finale number. I'm actually in the street gang. Um, we, we push narcotics. We sell press Xanax with fentanyl. Um, and we're called the Xana Dudes. Don't fuck with us. We got leather jackets. Xana Dudes. We'll fuck you up. I truly believe this is the end of the movie. Like, there's nothing more to it. Like, Kira gets to stay because, you know, love conquers all. Does she get to stay? Or does she just disappear? No, she disappears into a beam of light. Yeah, and then they leave Sunny wondering. But hey, you've got this very successful nightclub that's definitely packed. You see that jacket? That would be a conversation. If, if one of those jackets emerged, that'd be a conversation between me and Deb of how much I would be allowed to spend on the Xanadu jacket. How much? Hey, Deb, there's a Xanadu jacket that he's wearing. Um, and I'm sure they did Xanadu crew jackets. What's the top dollar amount you could spend on that, do you think? I could spend or you could spend. Well, I, I could spend or you could spend. We could spend. We're married. <laughs> One could spend or you could spend. One could, let's say one, let's say the family could spend. Deb's giving a serious thought. How much? $200. So it's sort of a weird little... $500? $300? Yeah. It's probably fucking $3,000. Yeah, I wouldn't spend $3,000. I wouldn't either. I would definitely not. I'm saying our family. 
One could spend one could spend up to fifteen thousand, twenty five thousand dollars. Totally appropriate for somebody else, not us. If we could fucking spend twenty five thousand dollars on a fucking Xanadu jacket, you think I'd be fucking sitting here right now talking over the credits of the fucking Xanadu right now? No. You do? You fucking you're you're greatly mistaken. Not right now. Maybe like tomorrow, another day, I would be. But like not now. Right in this moment, no. I'd be doing something else. But yeah, later this week, even if we had that kind of money, I would be doing this. At the end, it's sort of unclear. Did she turn into a beam of light or is she there working as a waitress? I guess we were we would have found out in Xanadu 2 if people didn't vehemently hate this. Both critics and... There we go. The Xanadu dancers. And just assume, and I'm sorry to be morbid, just assume 80% of the male dancers, they are no longer with us and you know why. It's tragic but true. Presented in Dolby Stereo, original sound recording available on MCA Records. I can read no, Roman numerals. That's ho- copyright 1980. Universal City uh, Studios, Inc. Xanadu. That's it. We did it. You got the uh, you got the movie logo at the end, and then uh, yeah, and it's still an MCA company. And again, I'm watching this on HBO Max, but I imagine that if you were watching on a Blu-ray, it would bring up a win in Hollywood visit Universal Studios. Hey, thanks a lot. This has been fun. Here is your Xanadu audio commentary. I don't know what um, next month. I don't know what next month's audio commentary is. Haven't given it thought yet. Not ready to do, ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous stains yet. Um, I feel like, yeah, I could, but haven't I said enough? Haven't I done enough for that movie? I hope you had a good time. Uh, and uh, that's it, folks. Or, that's all, folks. Should I put some sort of sound effect in? Should I put a should what? Should New Wave Dave be a part of this? No, let's just end it. Goodbye. Hey, thanks for listening. Fogelness Plus is my podcast platform and streaming video on-demand service. Totally listener-supported and ad-free, you can get my weekly podcast, I Did This First with Jake Fogelness, starting at just $5 a month. There's been a new episode every week since August of 2020, and the show keeps going. After signing up at www.jake.army, you can watch it as a TV show or listen wherever you listen to podcasts. There's also bonus and VIP tiers, which offer even more episodes. For all the info you need, go to www.jake.army and find out how you can support Fogelness Plus on Patreon. Episodes on this feed will come and go, so you don't want to miss anything. Sign up today www.jake.army